Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss big data in the Magic Kingdom, desserts on fire at 6,000 feet, and Norwegian bands that are still surprising their fans over three decades later. Mickey Mouse, s'mores, and aha. Oh my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Hey, Dan, have you had the chance to take your family to either Disneyland or Disney World yet? Have I had a chance to take them? I feel like I live at Disney World. Yes, we've been there many, many times. Fabulous, fabulous. So you will understand the topic we're going to discuss about on this episode of CX Press. Uh, I... The origin of this conversation comes from an interesting article that I saw on Forbes.com entitled, Disney Uses Big Data, IoT, and Machine Learning to Boost Customer Experience. And for those of you that may not be familiar, IoT is referring to Internet of Things. It's written by Bernard Marr, who is also the author of the book Data Strategy. And what's interesting about this article is it starts out talking about the infamous magic bands in the Magic Kingdom. And if you're not familiar with these, back in 2013 at Disney World, Disney rolled out a wristband that has built-in RFID technology and a long-range radio. And what happens is you wear these bands when you're in the park and the bands communicate with thousands of sensors located all throughout the Disney property and hundreds of systems in order to help their cast members, which is what Disney calls their employees, anticipate all of your wishes and desires. It's a really cool use of the technology. It really is the place where dreams come true. Yeah, I've worn these bands, and they can do just about everything. I mean, they act as your hotel key. They act as a credit card, so you can leave your wallet at home. You can pay for things. It is your ticket into the park. If you buy the Fast Pass, so you can skip the lines and the rides, it's used for that. All sorts of things. And all you do is you swipe this band you know, across the sensor, and... You know, the scary thing is Disney knows who you are, where you are, what you're doing, and hopefully what you might need. It is scary, but it's something that people opt into because it really enhances the overall experience, which is a good thing because the tech team that actually designed Magic Bands, uh, I saw in this article they were interviewed and they said they wanted to root out all the friction within the Disney World experience. And so these bands are mainly used to help reduce the wait time when people are you know, hanging out waiting for a ride or attraction. And what it does is it allows for real-time updates using the bands and their 
location their sensors so that Disney can adjust staffing. They can incentivize guests to go to a different ride or different attraction where the line is shorter. This makes for better overall efficiency for the park and fantastic experience for the guests. Yeah, I love that it's looking for potential upside to improve the experience, and it's also looking for potential pain points to reduce in order to improve the experience as well. And it, it you know, some of it's around wait times, which of course is a huge pain point at an amusement park. But there's all sorts of other possibilities. So, for example, your favorite Disney character could find you and greet your child by name. Imagine how that would look to your child if Mickey Mouse or somebody else showed up and Darth Vader and said hi to your child by name. Uh, you could pre-order food and have it waiting for you when you arrive at a certain restaurant. Um, there's even ways to make up for bad experiences. So if they promised a 30-minute wait on a ride line and it turned out to be a 50-minute wait, they could credit you with some sort of a voucher to you know apologize for the long wait or the bad experience. So tons and tons of opportunities here. Again, you do opt in, and so you sort of have to agree to, you know, the fact that somebody's basically watching your every step, but it really does create a much more seamless experience. Absolutely. And while these magic bands are fantastic, Disney has never been one to rest on their laurels. And in fact, last year, they applied for a patent for a system that's going to allow them to recognize their guest based on the guest's shoes. So the way this works is they'll have location-specific sensors throughout the park, and then they're also going to have these camera-toting robots. This is their, they call it their next generation experience project. And again, it allows them to take it one step further. So not only do they have the band as a way to recognize customers, they can actually recognize them by the shoes they are wearing. Yeah, that sounds interesting and slightly frightening, don't you think? <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, it's one of those things where what I love about Disney is they're pushing the envelope. They're trying new ways. And we've talked about on the show before, sometimes when you try to create a remarkable experience, you go too far. Who knows whether this will be too far? But the fact that they're trying, I think, is inspiring. You know, it reminds me of an announcement I saw, and I'm a big Star Wars fan. Fan. And of course, when Star Wars kind of the brand was sold to Disney, I thought this is actually a potentially really good thing because Disney is really good at managing the brands and the characters that they have in their portfolio. There was an announcement made not too long ago that Disney is going to build a Star Wars themed hotel at Disney World. Have you heard anything about this, Dan? Uh, Joey, is it going to be in a galaxy far, far away? Close. It's going to be even closer than that. But let me tell you, this hotel, it sounds amazing. From the moment you arrive, they're going to assign you a character. And you're going to actually dress up in these clothes. And from the second you step into the hotel, you're basically becoming a citizen of the galaxy. You are contributing to a specific storyline. You'll have a rundown of what you're supposed to do. There will be staff members or cast members, as they call them, that are uh, basically interacting with you as you navigate through the hotel and the park and you're in the restaurants. You're going to have all these really interesting experiences that allow you to feel like you're in the Star Wars universe, as opposed to staying in a hotel in Florida. The possibilities on this are absolutely limitless, and I'm thrilled that Disney is behind this because I know they're going to do some really interesting creative things. 
Well, the article also says that Disney's working on something called sentiment analysis, and they do this in the form of cameras that will actually allow Disney to track audience reactions at its movies. So you've probably read that, you know, most movies are shown to test audiences or, you know, in some sort of preview format before the movie comes out to the general public. But these new cameras would actually be able to watch people watching the movie even after it's been released and could provide enormous amounts of data to determine where the parts are in the movie that are working and not working that maybe in a future version could be adjusted or reshot to enhance the viewer experience. And, you know, one example uh, for me that uh, that I remember is when the movie Frozen came out, one of the things that I don't know whether Disney predicted this or not, but one of the things that happened is that every little girl learned the words to every song in that movie. And the next thing that you saw, there were actually sing-along versions at the movie theater. So girls would come back and watch the movie again and be encouraged to sing along with it, which I thought was terrific. And something like the sentiment analysis cameras could definitely help you create experiences like that. Absolutely. I I think whether it's girls or boys singing along to the Frozen soundtrack, being able to have this kind of real-time feedback via the sentiment analysis cameras, I mean, it's, it's basically a fancy way of saying we'll continue to make this experience better every step along the way. And the cool thing about sentiment analysis cameras is as that technology improves, they're going to be able to read things that are going on with the people watching the movie that the the people aren't even aware of themselves, right? Tracking micro expressions, tracking, you know, different reactions they have at different parts of the movie so that they can pair visual scenes with the auditory soundtrack to kind of create the desired emotional effect they want. I absolutely love how much Disney just continues to up their game, whether it's with big data or Internet of Things or machine learning. They're working to use technology to ensure that the Magic Kingdom continues to be magical for many years to come. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. So I had an interesting experience the other day, Dan. I had the pleasure of celebrating my seventh anniversary to my amazing wife, Barrett. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's been a glorious seven years for me. I think she's put up with a lot of stuff in the last seven years, but we're still going strong and love it. So in order to celebrate our anniversary, I wanted to do something a little bit different. And so we live about an hour away from a restaurant called the Flagstaff House. It's just outside of Boulder, Colorado. The Flagstaff House has been uh, known as one of the best restaurants in the state. Thrillist calls it the most romantic restaurant in America. It's won the prestigious Wine Spectator Grand Award for 31 years straight. This place is incredible. It's located on a mountain overlooking Boulder, Colorado. So the restaurant's at about 6,000 feet. It's got a fantastic history. It was built in 1929 and has been updated and upgraded over the years to be this world-class restaurant. Imagine floor-to-ceiling windows, 
a gorgeous mahogany bar, a fancy and cozy fireplace burning in the corner, and for those of you that like wine, a 15,000-bottle wine cellar. So it's this really romantic, special place that just sets the ambiance for a great evening. Well, that certainly sounds great. What could possibly go wrong with the most romantic restaurant in America? So what were the most memorable moments of your evening, at least the ones that you can share on a podcast? Unbelievable family-friendly show, family-friendly show. So what, what I love about this is lots of companies work to create the setting and then it falls apart when you add the employees, right? They have this beautiful space. Everything has been thoughtfully considered from the chandeliers to the napkins to the silverware, the whole thing. And then at the sometimes you find yourself in a restaurant where the employees just kind of start to drag the experience down. But that is not the case at the Flagstaff House. The employees immediately rose to the occasion and actually delivered an experience that was even better than the setting. So a couple key things that happened right out of the blocks. First of all, our waitress comes over, introduces herself. She's friendly. She's upbeat and presents us with our menus. And I say presents because our menus have been custom printed for us. Not only do they say our names on the menu, which to be candid, I had experienced at restaurants before, but it says, congratulations on your seven year anniversary. Okay. Now this is more special. They took the time to read the little message I did on open table saying we were celebrating our seven year anniversary and the menus were signed, hand signed by the executive chef, which I thought was totally cool. Yeah, I mean, these are, this is clearly a place that is focused on the small details, which we talk about a lot here and the, and the points of the experience that would otherwise maybe not be memorable. They're making them remarkable. Absolutely. So it, it, but it doesn't end there. Right after they hand us the menus, the waitress turns to my wife and says, now I understand, Mrs. Coleman, that you have some dietary restrictions. And if my information's correct, you are gluten free and dairy free. And my wife does this beautiful move where she kind of looks at the waitress and then looks at me and I win points right there because it's clear that I've let the restaurant know this ahead of time. So she doesn't have to go through the explanation. And without missing a beat, the waitress says, our chef is very familiar with both of these sensitivities. And basically, there is one thing on the menu that we can't do to accommodate you. It's this one. Everything else you would order on this menu, we can make a version that is gluten-free, we can make a version that is dairy-free, and we are happily willing to adjust right out of the blocks, letting us know that this meal is going to be custom-made for us, and my wife gets to enjoy everything that's on the menu instead of worrying, well, is this one going to work for me or not? Yeah, I love that because it's being sensitive to people, and there's lots of people that have allergies and other such things. But one of the things that caught me about what you said is that they were also willing to say that there was a point at which they couldn't make an adjustment. And to be honest, I think that's fair too. And I like that they came out and said that up front. You know, sometimes there's a sauce or something that's made ahead of time and it just, you know, you, you can't uncook it. Uh, and so I love that they went out of their way to try to make everything work and also that they were honest about the one piece that they couldn't make work. 
Absolutely. Know what you're really good at. And it's okay for some things to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't accommodate you. We, My wife, I think it's fair to say, actually found that a bit freeing because she knew that she could look at everything on the menu, but not that one thing instead of getting excited about that one thing only to find out later that it didn't work that way. So I thought that was perfect. The meal was incredible. They didn't rush us. Uh, they brought some little courtesy appetizers to taste while we were reviewing the menu. Whenever they brought a different course or different... Uh, uh, item out for us to eat. There were always two servers so that it was presented to us at the same time. This menu was incredible. And every once in a while, when my wife and I are at a restaurant that we find a ton of things on the menu we want to try, we'll decide to maybe split a salad or split one of the appetizers. We told them they were we were going to do that. And they actually pre-split the salad for us. So it wasn't doing the awkward thing of like I'm we're passing a plate or trying to spoon some off. They they anticipated where we were going and we're always throughout this entire process referencing the ingredients and the various preparation and cooking methods they did in a way that added to the experience but didn't turn it into a cooking show, right? Sometimes you've gone to those restaurants where they're like, and then the chef glazed the pork in this way and brought in a rare herb from the mountains of the Himalaya. And you're like, okay, thanks, thanks. Can we, can we just eat this thing that's in front of us getting cold now? Did an amazing job with that. It's so nice when people are attentive and when they're paying attention to you and what it is that you want. I mean, sometimes people love the description, right? And and that is, and, and for that customer, you want to have those great, you know, the, the long description. And then for others, it's like, hey, we're talking here and we're enjoying our anniversary and we can read the menu and we don't need that. And so I love that they sort of figured out with you guys what it was that you needed. Absolutely. But the piece de resistance, the thing that made the whole evening absolutely magical was the dessert. Now, on the menu was a pre-ordered dessert called S'mores Flambe. And anytime I see Flambe on a menu, I have to order it. Because what can I say? I'm a sucker for a flame at the table. This was the chef's interpretation of a s'more, kind of the traditional campfire favorite. Imagine this, though. They bring out a plate with a chocolate dome. It's like a half dome. And then they have this flaming liquor that they pour over the chocolate dome. It melts the dome, and we learn that underneath the dome was homemade marshmallow, a graham cracker crust, a scoop of vanilla ice cream that was still cold, all stacked together, and basically the chocolate collapses on this, coating the entire dessert in delicious, delicious chocolate. They even went so far as to tell us that what they do is they they put a little hole inside the chocolate dome, and they blow in smoke so that it has that campfire feel when you're ready to eat it. It was stunning. Mmm, collapsible chocolate. (laughs) I knew I'd get you with that one. So basically, this was an incredible experience. They personalized it with mementos. The hand-signed menus were a great way to give us a tactile memento from this memorable evening. They created experiences throughout the night that we hadn't had before. And we love going to a nice restaurant, and especially on a special occasion or anniversary. They did things we'd never seen happen before. They were really great to follow our pacing and make sure that you know they weren't rushing us and that they were giving everything that we needed and finally they finished strong 
All the research shows that the first experience and the last experience with a brand are the ones that are most memorable. And irony of all ironies, what did I talk about in this dissection of the experience? I talked first about the signed menus from the chef and last about the chef's interpretation of a s'more, the melting chocolate dome. Incredible, incredible experience. If you ever find yourself in or around or within hundreds of miles of Boulder, Colorado, do yourself a favor, go to the Flagstaff house, book a window seat, as I like to call it, right on the edge and take advantage of the beautiful view overlooking Boulder, Colorado, and enjoy one of the most remarkable and memorable meals you will ever have. And happy anniversary to Joey and Barrett. Love, Dan. Uh, thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? Okay, Dan, we both came of age listening to music in the 1980s. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Did you have any favorite songs or bands that you listened to in the 80s that you're willing to admit to publicly? Well, first of all, fun fact, I can play more than 24 hours straight of 80s hits from my iTunes account without ever repeating a song. Woo, nice. It was a good decade for music. It really was. Yeah, oh, I love 80s music. I mean, Footloose, Walking on Sunshine and all its campiness. Nice. Whoever forgot the Jenny's phone number of 8675309309. And pretty much anything by Michael Jackson made me happy. King of Pop. I love it. Well, one band that I really enjoyed listening to back in the day was the Norwegian band Aha. Their song, Take On Me, was one of the biggest songs of the 80s. It was super catchy, awesome to dance to. It also had this, I, I had a friend who had MTV. We didn't. We lived out in the country, but occasionally we'd go over to their house. And um, yeah, it had this really creative video that kind of had live action scenes with hand-drawn illustrations. We're going to link to the original uh, video in the show notes in case any of you listening in either missed it back then or want to take a walk down memory lane. In the meantime, here's a little sample to jog your memory of the AHA classic, Take On Me. Okay, also one of my favorite songs, Sorry for Not Mentioning It the First Time. This was actually my wife's ringtone for several years. Ooh, uh, nice. It is. It's an awesome song. And uh, if, if any of our listeners had not heard that song before, I really want to hear from them because I don't know how <laughs> you could have how missed, you missed that me. song. But, uh, Joey, this is a customer experience podcast. So, you know, I trust you here. But tell me again why we're talking about AHA. Is All it? right. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I realize that people might be listening going, wait, what does the band AHA and the song Take On Me have to do with customer experience? I'm hoping in one second they're going to go, AHA! <laughs> nice. I knew that we could not make it through this segment without Dan making an AHA joke. Thank you, Dr. Gingus. So anyway, MTV brought together an audience of about 200 people on the remote Norwegian island of Giske. 
I believe I'm pronouncing that right. If not, Norwegian friends, write in and let us know. This event was held under close secrecy. No phones or recording equipment was allowed into the studio. And basically, this small group of about 200 people shows up to find the great 80s band AHA taking the stage as part of MTV's Unplugged Summer Solstice special. And during the show, they did an acoustic version of Take On Me. I can't even begin. I'm not going to waste one second trying to describe how beautiful this was. I'm just going to play a little taste for you. I'll be coming for your lover, Okay, that was amazing. I actually think we should wait a moment because most people right now are going to hit that little button on their podcast player that reverses back 30 seconds so they can hear it again. So I'm going to pause and let you do that. Okay, Joey, I mean, that was so, absolutely yeah. amazing. I mean, so cool, right? I mean, this is just no one saw this coming. This is incredible. To take something that you know is already a fantastic experience, in this case, the original song, and make it even better by doing something completely unexpected. How cool is that? I mean, first of all, AHA decides to go acoustic, right? Something that's basically the polar opposite of any piece of music that came out in the 1980s. Everything was heavy synthesizers, lots of electronica, you know, big guitar riffs, all this stuff. And they strip it down to just basic music. Then, just when you're not expecting it, they slow it way down and take this song that was so popular on the dance floor and give it almost this soothing, peaceful tone. And this revised version, instead of being kind of the upbeat, up-tempo, energizing song that we all know and love, turns into this almost haunting and mournful, deeply moving song that you just don't see coming. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I had the reaction I did is, I mean, I remember that song and it's fast and, and I don't really dance, but I get the fact that it was a dance song. And yeah, this is just totally different and stripped down and, you know, incredible. And I, I wanted to go back and, and listen to it again and again. Yeah. And I mean, how fascinating and fantastic that the lead singer, Morton Harkett, can still hit those high notes. I mean, I actually had to look this up. Harkett is now 58 years old and brings the thunder when it comes to those high sustained notes. So impressive. You know, it's it's actually somewhat not surprising, given that the fact that this is a little bit of trivia for all our listeners out there. Harkett owns the Guinness World Record for the longest live note held. He held a single note in a live performance for 22 seconds. And man, 58, some 30 plus years later after the original recording of the song, the guy still got it. Yeah, I'll say he does. That is, that's amazing. I mean, and that's one of the things that stuck out were those high notes. And, and yeah, I didn't know how old he was, but you know, clearly older than he was in the eighties, aren't we all? And, uh, he definitely still has got it. So, um, why do you think this new version is catching everybody's attention? 
Well, I've thought about this because, you know, it definitely caught my attention. And then the more I saw people posting about it on social media and talking about it, I thought, you know, what's driving this? I think it's a couple of things. Number one, it's familiar yet new, right? It's a song that we all know and love, and they're coming at it in an entirely new way. It's nostalgic. It's acoustic, right? So it allows us to really appreciate the lyrics. I have to admit, I didn't know what some of the words were from the original song. And now that it's slowed down and it's quiet, I I feel like I'm able to hear these words for the first time. I also think it's because of Harkett's approach to music. Uh, I actually saw an interview that he did a few years ago or read an interview uh, that he did with The Guardian, and he had a great answer to the interviewer's question. The interviewer asked, are you uncomfortable being the front man? Harkett replied, I've never been uncomfortable being a front man. I've always known that to be my position, but I'm not a showman. I'm not an entertainer. I'm an engager. I never sell myself in a sense. I'm a barefoot human being walking across the planet, touching the heart of things. I'm an exponent of the fact that we don't know who we are and that we're looking for it. That's a central part of being a human being. The rest of the animal kingdom lives by answers. We live by questions. I I love this. It's just such a deep and poignant overview of how he sees himself as being responsible for engaging with his audience, not just entertaining them. Well, and that does make a big difference. I mean, I had the pleasure in college of seeing Billy Joel do a very personal concert for, I don't know, it couldn't have been more than a thousand people. And, you know, after every song, he talked to the audience and he answered questions and he brought people up on stage. I remember he brought one of my classmates up to uh, to do a duet with him. And he stayed on that stage for almost four hours. And it was absolutely amazing because, because of that engagement and because of the fact that you really felt like he was paying attention to the people that were there. You know, it wasn't like being in a big stadium where you get the sense that they're playing the same show every day with the same jokes every day. And, you know, you're just sort of a person along the way. And I think, uh, and and Billy Joel did a great job in that particular instance, but this guy, obviously uh, Morton, you know, sounds like he is pretty much a deep thinker and it's nice that he sees his role as an engager and not just an entertainer. Obviously, he has to do both, but that engagement part, you know, as with any other industry, goes a long way in the experience. Absolutely. Did you actually see in the video when they cut away, Dan, and some of the people were tearing up? I did. And and I, I saw, you know, there's certain parts right in the lyrics uh, where you can kind of tell that it's a sad part. And to your point, it was not as obvious in the original version. So yeah, I, I don't blame them. It was, uh, it was a pretty moving rendition of, you know, a very, very popular song. And yet it was, you know, done in a completely different way. Absolutely. I think the key takeaways from this new rendition of Take On Me by AHA are as follows. Number one. So these are the key. These are the key takeaways. Oh, my God. Two in one episode. Yes, fine. I guess we will call these the key AHAs of AHA's video. Number one. We want to constantly strive to reinvent ourselves, right? Even your best stuff can be improved. 30 plus years later, AHA is still bringing the thunder, improving what was already a great product. Number two, do not underestimate the power of slowing things down. 
We live in a really fast world where our audiences, whether they we are a musician performing or whether we're a company trying to serve our customers, our audiences are overwhelmed. Slowing down can be really unique and really helpful to an overwhelmed audience member. And number three, last but not least, you're never too old and your brand is never too old to do something that gets everyone's attention the old and young alike. And the way you do that is to do something meaningful, something special, something different, something that probably feels a little bit scary when you originally have the idea. But the more you lean into that, if it's truly an expression of who you are, the audience will respond exactly the way you hope they will. You know, Joey, when you mentioned that we were going to do a segment on Aha's take on me, I have to admit I had absolutely no idea where you were going with it. But in all seriousness, that was a really fun segment. And I do love your three Aha's uh, because they are great takeaways and they definitely can be used in, in really with any brand. So, so great job on that. Hey, uh, listener, if you have a great customer experience story that you'd like us to dissect, please do us a favor. We are always looking for great experiences. You know that we share a lot from our lives, but we need to know about your lives as well, because I know that you have had some amazing experiences too. So go to experiencethisshow.com. Go down to the SpeakPipe widget and do us a favor. Leave us a quick message. It's like leaving a voicemail. Super simple. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us about an experience that absolutely knocked your socks off, like Take On Me's new acoustic version, and we will bring that to a future episode. So thanks for listening. Experience this show.com and let us know. Listen in while we try to stump and surprise each other with a fantastic statistic from the worlds of customer experience and customer service. It's time to check out this number. Okay, Joey, this week's number, or numbers as it turns out, is 60 to 80%. What do you think it means? Well, I have to admit, the first thing that comes to mind is that ridiculous quote from the movie Anchorman, 60% of the time, it works every time. So I'm going to say 60% of the time, it works 80% of the time. <laughs> Very nice. You also sound like you might have a little Yogi Berra in you. Actually, 60 to 80% is the percentage of satisfied customers that do not return to do more business with a company that initially satisfied them. Now, that stat comes to us from a Bain & Company study that is cited by our sponsors, woo Oracle CX Cloud, in their, da, 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 da. in their new report, Sleepless Over Customer Experience, Small Business Leaders' Top Sales and Service Concerns, and How to Fix Them. You know... <laughs> This one almost makes me cry because I think companies think, well, we were really good at the beginning, that first interaction, so we should be good to go, right? No. Customers have so many choices these days. You need to make a lasting impression. It's not enough to just have a great first date and think that it's going to be an amazing marriage. It's your responsibility as the brand to responsibly and proactively maintain a customer relationship. You got to keep working on it. It's that simple. Totally agree, man. It is not just about the first date. It's about getting to the marriage and the long, long time together. So to find out more, go to oracle.com slash INC report and enter your email address, get the full report. And thank you once again to Oracle CX Cloud for sponsoring the Experience This Show. 
thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.